Are you recording now? Recording. <laughs> this is gonna sound weird. Things are about to get weird. Just get to the murder. We are reporting live from Sydney's closet. And Taylor's office slash just back bedroom. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I'm here amongst my favorite things. Uh, shoes. Uh, specifically. These pink vans. They're uh, very cute. Those are cute. My, my prize possessions. My Doc Martens. Uh, I'm here amongst uh, some trash. Mostly old paper from law school from last semester. There's some. There's a giant box of toilet paper beside me. I also have some moon water and some crystals behind me. Uh, Brandon's camo coveralls are beside me, and I also have a uh, this container of nuts. So it's a little, really, it's going a little well. ASMR. <laughs> it's going well. <laughs> uh, yeah, you re- we really painted a picture for this week. Uh, Wow, I'm amongst trash. That's uh, the, that is how I describe when I'm talking about hanging out with my friends. That's I'm good. amongst trash. Well, just me amongst trash is just me hanging out with myself at this point, honestly. <laughs> uh, and it's fine. I know that apparently calling yourself trash, uh, that's like 2014 humor. I didn't realize that, so I'm going to have to stop saying that. Some bitch on TikTok was trying to roast some roast some people for that the other day, so thought I'd bring that to your attention if you still like to use that term. The teens, uh, they don't. I've just come to terms with uh, the fact that I am a senior citizen. <laughs> yeah. I need to start getting a discount at Denny's. You know, I'm old. I'm old. Uh... I have really just been wrapped up in this TikTok drama. I'm sure you've heard of it. You know, the girl from High School Musical, the TV show, wrote this song. She got her driver's license. Good for her. She graduated from that learner's permit. Um, talking about her boyfriend. So this is what happened. He He's over 18. He's like, listen, we can't uh-huh. be together. Y- you too young. Which I get that. Let's be responsible. Let's yep. not be weird. Yep. So he's like, he's like, but I'll wait for you. I'll wait for you to turn 18. Oh. Well, bitch, he did not. He did not wait. Of course he, he said, did. <laughs> he said, he said, I gotta go. So he starts dating this other bitch. This other, uh, they're all Disney Channel stars. Of so, course. you know, you know, a little too close to home. Yeah. So homegirl is like, that. that's fucked. She writes a song about getting her driver's license. TikTok, TikTok is a flame. The drama is real. I but admit, it, I missed that drama, uh, unfortunately. Or fortunately, I'm not really sure which one. But, you know, I'm talking about it. The girl who wrote the song, she's like 17. The older girl she sings about in the song, uh-huh. maybe maybe 20. They say she's got to be like, over 18 because that was the whole problem. Yeah, I was like, that's the older girl. Wow, I am a thousand. Well, I'm still young, agile. I'm not at all sore from the slight workouts that I've been doing in my living room. Just kidding. My abs are hurting and I keep thinking that I have the terrible condition to where I'm going to die immediately. But then I forgot that. I did some crunches yesterday, so, yeah. Every, every now and then, I'll convince myself that I have COVID, even though I exhibit no symptoms. 
Um, and I'll be like, oh, God, I've got it. And I'll be like, I have the achiness. I'm just so achy. <laughs> it's because it's because I've been lifting weights. Yep. I'm past the uh, I'm scared I have COVID. I've skipped that at this point, And I've skipped straight on to I have a terminal disease. So that's kind of where we're sitting right now. Um, thank goodness law school started back. It's really taken my mind off my terminal uh, disease fixation. <laughs> Um, and you know what? I think, uh, that's enough chit chat. Uh, <laughs> with that being said. <laughs> yes. Welcome to, this is going to sound weird, a podcast where we talk about obviously some very weird shit. That was just, that was just a little preview. A little, of of, a little preview of some of the weird shit we'd be talking about. Uh, I am Sydney, one of your hosts. I'm Taylor, the other host. Clearly, uh, not stable at the moment or ever. And you know what's not stable? Cults. Our topic of the week. Yes, they are absolutely not stable. Which, I don't know. Sometimes they are pretty stable, and that's why you can't get nobody to leave. Well, we're going to explore that this week. Um, I went first last week when I told you, you know, about the greatest city in existence, St. Augustine's, Florida. (laughs) So it it only seems right that maybe you should start us off this week with your cult. Okay, I'll tell you about the greatest cult in existence. Um, actually, <laughs> All the, right. uh, actually, the cult that I'm doing, I had never heard of. Uh, you know, I know a lot about a whole bunch of different cults, but I was like, we all know about the usuals. So I was like, I'll take it a different direction. And it kept popping up on like those like lists that would be like crazy cults or whatever. So I was like, shit, I'll go with it. So these are my sources. Oh, shit. Uh, heavy.com. Uh, cosmopolitan.com the article was these are the scariest cult stories of all time so kansas and, and it was and it was right underneath a uh article about best places to do it with your boyfriend cosmopolitan <laughs> probably thank you for these thank for, thank you for these articles i used to read my mom's cosmopolitan magazines when i was little i thought i was like being so grown up i don't even think she read I them feel- i just think she had them I think that a, um, a Cosmopolitan magazine is, like, the female equivalent of, like, a Playboy. True. Like, gir- girls steal their mom's Cosmopolitans, like, boys steal their dad's Playboys. Yep. If I saw the word sex, I was like, absolutely. Let me read about some <laughs> old lady, like, having sex troubles or something. Or, okay, not old. Probably, like, middle-aged. At that time, when I was, like, five, that was old. Uh, anyway, Kansas.com. Dateline, it was like, they have a documentary out about this, but it's like very recent, and so I couldn't find all of it, so I found snippets. And then, uh, The Cinemaholic. So, the cult that I'm doing is called Angel's Landing. You ever heard of it? Only because you texted it to me the other day. Okay. Okay, so, this is how we begin. We begin with a man named Lou Castro. He was born in 1959. Uh, but there's not really much information about his early life, but we do know that in the early 2000s, uh, he created a commune and it was housed on a 20 acre plot of land in rural Wichita, Kansas. Uh, and it was on the 9,500 block of North Oliver near Valley Center and Ketchy, according to the Wichita Eagle. Now that doesn't mean anything to me, uh, but if you're from Kansas, just picture it in your head. I don't know if you've ever been to this uh, this block in Kansas, but there you go. That's where it is. 
So, the plot of land uh, that this little group lived on was called Angel's Landing, like I said. Uh, Castro lived there with just, like, a small group of followers. And the thing about them was that they were, like, rich. And they lived, like, super extravagant lives. Just, like, all sorts of cars, all sorts of money coming from everywhere. Uh, But it was kind of, like... Where the heck is all this money coming from in rural Kansas? So, Castro, uh, the way he kind of got his followers is that he convinced him that he had magical powers. And these powers uh, included the power to see the future. And he called himself a, quote, seer. And along with, like, he could see the future. But his main thing was, like, I know when you're going to die. I can predict when you're going to die. Which I'm like, I don't want to surround myself with a man like that. I don't need to know. I don't need I don't need that energy. I just need I already have enough anxiety. I don't need to I don't know if that would ease it or hike it up. Probably hike it up. I think I mean, maybe if he told me when I was gonna die, like I mean I guess that's whatever, but if he told me just how I was gonna die, I mean I wouldn't be able to do anything because if it was like a car wreck or something, I can't never drive a car again. We talked about car wrecks in my torts class this morning, talking about how dangerous they are, and I was like, shit, I don't think I want to drive home. But I, I know, and you got a 45-minute a drive. <laughs> I know. It was a lot of time to think. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so along with knowing when people are going to die, uh, he also told them that he was a centuries-year-old angel who needed to have sex with pure young girls in order to stay alive. Which I was like, man, that's your own damn problem. I know I'm like, fucking die, I guess. I mean, sorry. (laughs) Uh, So anyways. So when I watched the Dateline, there was a girl in there and her name was Emily. And that was some of, that's Texas out there running around with a toy. Uh, But there was a girl named Emily. And she talked about her experience mainly, which is kind of how I got the information about, like, inside the cult. Because there was, like, information, but a lot of it was kind of scattered. So, anyways, Emily was a young girl that was, like, his, like, one of Castro's, like, favorites. So, she literally, like, shared a bed and slept with him, like, every night. And he told her that she had to take care of him and that it was literally her job to keep him alive. Which, as we know, that just means having sex with him. And, you know, clearly she didn't necessarily like uh, what was going on, but he would validate what was going on with biblical stories, different, like, Bible stories, and he would say that, that young, like, little girls are just so special and just gross, terrible stuff. But she said that she wanted to take care of him, and then she said she even was, like, I don't know if she meant she just loved him, like, as a father figure of sorts, or she was in love with him. But either way, she loved him. And so, even though I feel like it's probably a little bit of, like, um, Stockholm Syndrome. Yeah. Yeah, like, you know, like, you kind of, like, convince yourself that you're in love with your captor. Yeah, also, since, like, she was young... I mean, I guess she didn't really know what was going on. But the crazy thing is, like, which I guess this isn't crazy for cults, but, like, her mom literally lived on the commune. Like, she hadn't been, like, kidnapped. She is, I don't know. But. Yeah, I watched, um, 
the TV show Waco, uh-huh. and it's very similar. It's like the the even the like the parents are like so invested in like the organization that they're like, oh yes, 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 like uh-huh. he is he has chosen you. This is a great honor. Oh. Anyways, so she said that she it was very uncomfortable and painful to be with him, uh, but she did it because she loved him and she thought she was basically keeping his ass alive. Uh, Let him go. I know. And Emily also had a sister. And I think that Emily was probably closer to him. But apparently Castro would often pit the sisters against each other. And like try to make them jealous of each other. But apparently whenever like this sister didn't do what Castro said. Then he would just like rape her. Which is awful. So. The thing is that if you didn't do what Castro said, he would make, like, threats to you. Like, you know, like, I'm gonna kill you or something. But he said that when he was making threats, he wasn't actually the one doing it. It was the angels that were inhabiting his body. And I was like, I don't think angels do that, but, like, whatever. And he would also threaten uh, Emily's sister that, like, all the time that he was gonna kill her father... And it was, like, her biggest fear. And so he was able to use that to control her, like, her entire life. So he was, basically, he was just using, like, anything he could to keep these, like, young girls all to himself. Basically, not a cool guy. No. And he would also threaten people. He would be like, if you don't know what I say, then I'm gonna take you to purgatory and you're gonna have to live in limbo forever. And I was like, what, bitch? And, like, if you see this man, he does not look anything like a... Like, he doesn't look like a religious figure. He doesn't even look, like, charismatic. He literally just looks like a dude who walked off the street and was like, Hey, what's up? I'm an angel. Like, straight up. Maybe it was just that early 2000s uh, vibe he had going on. You know? Baggy... Those uh, big leg baggy pants or whatever. (laughs) (laughs) Those Jenko jeans? Yes, yes. Um, but so, you know, I said earlier that the girls, like, family lived on the commune or whatever, but they said that the family didn't intervene because no one knew what was going on at all. Like, the girls didn't say anything. I don't even know if the family knew that they were, like, having sex with this man. Um, she said that she did hang out with Castro, like, all the time, and so she was like, if we disappeared for, like, an hour or two, nobody really thought anything of it. Which I'm like, I'm sorry, my young child's not hanging out with a creepy middle-aged old man for no reason. Mm-mm. There ain't no reason children need to be hanging out with middle-aged people that ain't their family members. <laughs> or even if they are family yeah. members, maybe not. Yeah. So. This is all very abducted in plain sight. If you haven't watched that documentary, oh my god, you have to watch it. Like, it's sad, um, but it's not... It's still sad, but at least, like, the woman who was the victim is, like, she's okay now, and I think she's, you know, made it out of it mostly okay. It's sad, but it's also redonkulous. It is so redonkulous. You're like, how in the world could anybody allow this to happen to their children? Anyways, so, at the time that the cult was active in Kansas in the early 2000s, the police were suspicious of what was going on there. Mostly, they were suspicious of Castro because he had so many, you know, luxury vehicles and he has large amounts of money. Um, 
and no one could explain why he had it because he didn't really have any like job and there was also no paper trail to like find out anything about him he was kind of just like he, it's almost like he didn't exist but like he did exist so while the police were kind of suspicious just based on this odd like money activity uh, they took a real active interest in Castro um, when a member of the commune, Patricia Hughes, um, turned up dead in a, like, swimming pool in 2003. And then, got even a little more suspicious, they ruled that as an accident. And then it got a little more suspicious uh, because just three years after Patricia died, her husband died in a freak uh, accident in 2006. So... After this, a local detective named Ron Goodwin decided he was going to start researching Mr. Castro uh, and the people in the commune, so he was looking up all the personal and financial information that he could find on these people living at uh, Angel's Landing, and he started to find out some pretty uh, disturbing information during the investigation. He found that there were multiple many different life insurance policies that had been taken out on different people at the commune. So, when someone in the group would accidentally die, quote, accidentally die, then the members of the group would cash in on the policies. And another odd thing is that these cash out and the policies were happening kind of like in a pattern. Uh, the deaths would happen about every two and a half years, and then the policy would always get cashed out, or I don't know if you cashed out, whatever. Um, but there, okay, I don't know. <laughs> uh, but through all the research, Goodwin was pretty much not able to locate any information on Castro at all. Like they couldn't find anything about him. But around this time, you know, he was getting in a little bit of hot water. I think he probably knew that the police were on to him. So in 2010. Castro moved away from the compound, and he went to Tennessee, uh, and while he was there, he decided he was going to adopt a completely new identity. So, soon after he moved to Tennessee, he was arrested by the FBI for aggravated identity theft and fraudulent use of a social security card number. So, I guess he wasn't too good at it. So, you know, because of this, Castro was in a federal prison for two years, and during this time... Goodwin and the FBI um, were able to find out more information about him because they, like, had him captured in the prison, so they asked him questions and whatnot. And so, while they researched, they found out that Lou Castro was actually Daniel Perez, and he was from Texas. And they found multiple... know who Daniel Perez is. I don't know who Daniel Perez is. Uh, you know, is he related? Is, is he related to Perez Hilton uh, at all? I don't think so. I don't think so. Uh, but basically, I guess the gist is, you know, he's Daniel Perez. Not that Daniel Perez is special, but mostly that uh, he was already living under a fake identity even so, before so he got he, caught at, for it. At that point, he was at his third level. Yep. Honestly, he could have been at fourth or fifth. We really don't know. So, they also found, when they found out who he actually was, uh, they found multiple police reports on him. And one of these was a case involving sex crimes against two girls uh, who were only 11 and 14. Which, uh, we're not surprised at this point in the story. Um, but after these, uh, you know, reports and allegations, he fred, fred, he fled from Texas and went underground 
and some people, a lot of people, thought he had, like, died. So, I don't really know if people were actively looking for him, like I'm sure the police were, but uh, he didn't get found out, clearly. Now, sparked by this uh, clearly horrible information, and at this point, uh, now we're we're going to call him Perez, because we're, we're there now, we know who he is. Uh, he's still a little mysterious, so the authorities decide, let's go back to Angel's Landing, and we're going to interview some different members uh, to see what the hell's going on here. So, while uh, they were conducting the interviews, they found out that the Perez had actually been abusing, sexually abusing women and girls at the commune, like, the entire time. Uh, and one of these women was Sarah McGrath, and she alleged that Perez raped her regularly for years, and she was just one of the victims, which I already talked about two other ones, uh, which honestly, Sarah could have been the sister of Emily, I don't really know, the names were kind of, I don't know how to match the names with the faces, anyways, they probably weren't the only two. Uh, so following these obviously terrible uh, discoveries, more witnesses started to come forward and the accusations included more sexual abuse, but they even started to, you know, say, hey, he murdered Patricia Hughes, who was found in the pool, dead. So, but the big break in the case came when information about Patricia Hughes's death came to light. So, Hughes's death, like I already said, was originally ruled as an accident. Uh, but years later, like after this investigation was going on, there was a girl who at the time of the death was 11 years old. And she said that when Patricia Hughes died, Perez told her to lie to the police when they came to investigate the death. Uh, she was instructed to tell the police that Hughes had fallen and drowned in a pool. But the girl said the truth was that she heard a splash in the pool, then she heard a scream, and soon after, she saw Perez wet and out of breath. So, you know, she didn't completely see the murder, but she's pretty sure it was not an accident. Yeah. I'm not a detective, but I'm gonna go ahead and say not an accident. Because, I mean, if it was an accident and he saw it happen and he was wet and out of breath, uh, you'd think he would have been, like, trying to help her out of the pool. Also, I don't feel like most people just randomly fall into a pool and drown immediately. Yeah. So. I feel like, wouldn't you be able to float? You would think so. Uh, I mean, I don't know, unless you're like a baby, but I don't, she wasn't a baby. <laughs> <laughs> she was not a baby. So, when Hughes died, uh, Perez collected more than $1 million in life insurance payouts on her. So, like, they had life insurance policies, but they were, like, big life insurance policies. So, the investigation uh, of Perez and Angel's Landing as a whole spanned about nine years. And, uh, in the end, a lot was revealed about uh, kind of what was going on. So, one of the main findings was that the cult actually wasn't housed just in Kansas, but they had moved around quite a bit. Uh, and this was part of the reason that Perez was so hard to track down um, and figure out, like, what crimes he was committing. Which, honestly, I feel like he probably moved around a lot because who knows how many identities he probably had between, like, Perez and Castro. And that's speculation on my part. 
how many cults had he started before? I know. It didn't really say if it was the same cult, you know, like the same people following him or if he would like move to a new city and kind of create a new one. I don't know. Some of the information was hard because there was like a lot of information, but not a whole lot because also it's not that it's not like Jonestown that happened in like the 70s. This happened in like... Mm -hmm. You know, the last thing were happening in, like, 2010. He didn't get convicted until, like, 2015, I'm pretty sure. So, they also uh, found out, you know, how he always seemed to have large amounts of money, even though he uh, didn't have a job, and it was due to the life insurance policies because they were clearly huge life insurance policies. And investigators learned that Perez and the commune were tied to six deaths that had all been ruled accidental, and they all occurred within a time span of around seven years. So, you know, if it's an accidental death and nothing comes up, you can pretty much collect the life insurance on all of those. So let's say he had a million dollars on each person. This man has six million dollars, and you know he ain't sharing it with nobody. I mean, he might be like, I'll buy a loaf of bread for y'all this week. We can all share it in the, the mess hall or whatever. <laughs> but uh, all of y'all get to share one piece uh, and then I get to rest. I'm just convinced. Listen, here's my here's my opinion. If you know that someone has taken a life insurance policy out on you, or if they have recently asked you to put a life insurance policy out on yourself... Honey, you ain't making it to the end of the week. No, you are not. Look, Brandon. You are not. Brandon told me he got a life insurance policy on himself, and I am listed as the beneficiary. So all I gotta say is, he better wash the fuck out. <laughs> 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 he's always like, he's always like, if I die, you can pay for this house we live in. I was like, if you die, I don't want this motherfucking house. I will leave it immediately <laughs> and go cry in a hole somewhere. I don't want this house. <laughs> Even though I guess that means you don't want you don't want this fine ass house you living in. But I guess and, I would have in to the use sticks. it because if not, it would be like a debt unless I sold it. Look, I don't know how math works. I don't know how real estate works, but I don't want this house if he be dying. I'd be too scared to stay here. What if his ghost haunts it? I hear, oh, that'd be kind of nice. I hear him farting in the bathroom at night. <laughs> yeah, that'd be just be great. like he's still here. <laughs> He'll bring a new a new man to the house and he strangles him. No, can't can't test it. What will text do? He'll be freaking out like hell, thinking his dad's there. Tries to go get pets, but then they ain't no hand. It just goes right through his body. <laughs> <laughs> oh. All right, we're spinning too much of a web. All right, I I won't tell you about my deep uh, mind. Okay. Also, this this was an interesting part. So you know. I said that Perez would predict when people would die. And so I think that he was probably able to seem even more credible whenever he, like, if he was orchestrating these deaths, he could be like, I predict that Patricia's gonna die, like, in a couple months. And then all of a sudden, she has a horrible accident and she's dead. So I feel like... When stuff like that would happen, people would probably be like, oh my god, he's he's right. Like, he's getting all this right. So, maybe that's why he added the whole I can predict death so he could, like, cover his ass when people started dying? I don't know. I mean, I guess that's smart on his part. 
or whatever. Uh, so. <laughs> or whatever. Or whatever. I don't know. Look, I don't like him. I can't get behind him. I can't. I couldn't join his cult. I'm just going to go and say it now. So, in the end, uh, he was convicted of 28 counts, which included first-degree murder, eight counts of rape, eight other sex crimes, eight counts of making uh, false writing, and three counts of aggravated assault. His sex offender registry indicates that he had been abusing children um, from, like, 2001 until 2015. Uh, I'm going to probably go ahead and say it probably started before then because he was born Probably like, longer, yeah. He was born in, like, 1959, and so, I mean, by 2001, what, he was almost, like, 40? Can I do math right? Yeah, I think that's right. So, I mean, yeah, and also, like, by the time he was doing this, like, he was old, like, 40s, 50s. He was sentenced to two life sentences uh, with 406 months on lesser charges with no possibility of parole for 80 years. According to the Kansas Department of Corrections website, he is serving his time at Lansing Correctional Facility. So, uh, at the end, I got a little, I got a few quotes because a lot of stuff about this were like documentaries and like shows, but I couldn't get access to them. Uh, unless I wanted to pay for, like, Dateline or Oxygen. And honestly, I ain't got no money because I ain't got a job. So I took some quotes from those that I thought uh, would be good. Not good, but, like, show you how, like, fucked up he is. So, here's one. I was 10 when uh, my childhood was over, one witness said during a sentencing hearing. While the other 10-year-olds were riding bikes or playing with dolls, I was laying naked in a bed with a pillow over my head, just waiting for it to be over. While other 13-year-olds were getting boyfriends and holding hands, I was holding on to my secret and losing the people I loved one by one. When other 16-year-olds were experiencing the freedom of learning how to drive and planning parties with their friends, I was planning my own death every day I drove to school. And then another uh, survivor... Sarah told Oxygen that Perez raped her repeatedly, saying that he was, quote, fixing her. She said, there was nothing I could do. She said, I remember saying, am I fixed now? So, clearly a awful dude. And... Yeah, that, that was... He- that's fucking heavy. Yeah, I know. And one of the girls even said that she was like in the dateline he was like did you ever think about leaving she was like no i didn't think about leaving because she said she thought she was scared if she left like everything he was saying would come true that i guess she would be like smited and taken to purgatory she's like i didn't think about leaving but she was like but i did think about killing myself often so as much as like he's a terrible dude and to me he didn't seem to have like much charisma or any of that he just seemed like a con artist he yeah. really had these people like wrapped around his finger. So, and I and I feel like it would be really hard if you were a young girl and not only like do you think oh gosh, like I could be stuck in purgatory, but you also have like your family that's probably yeah. pressuring you to stay mm-hmm. with this man. Yeah. And you know what? I I feel like even if like you could say like oh, people didn't know this was going on. I feel like people had to have known. You had to know something. Why are all these 11-year-old girls hanging out with this 50-year-old man? And also, this was, like, in the early 2000s. Like, some 
you know, that wasn't as acceptable as maybe it was in like the freaking 70s or 60s when, you know, they were like, kids, fuck them, just send them out. Like, I know the 2000s wasn't, you know, as progressive, but I was like, it wasn't that long ago. Mm-hmm. My kid ain't hanging out with no creepy-ass old man. I'm going to tell you that now. Girl, boy, none of them. I ain't hanging out with a creepy-ass old man, even when I'm an old woman. <laughs> you going to have to stop hanging out with Brandon. <laughs> I know, I probably will. I ain't going to hang out with creepy-ass old women, neither. I'm just going to sit alone at my house and do embroidery for the rest of my life. I have I like one that on. plan. I finished one that's on my wall right now. I can keep doing it forever. It takes me a while, so I got time. Anyways. I can't do that. I'll, my, I'll, I'll get too bad arthritis at that age. I'll have to come up with a different activity. I probably will, too. My... Anyways, thanks for uh, listening to my horrible story that I told you. I didn't think that it was... was... Yeah. That was horrible, but... Uh, it's also uh kind of nice that those like that there were survivors i feel like with jamestown you know where there was like no survivors that's yeah yeah with jonestown they all died well not all of them but most of them Mm mm-hmm yeah at least we weren't murdering young children we we were murdering other people probably but Mm mm-hmm what's a what's a cult without a murder or two (laughs) (laughs) it's not a cold at all no it ain't all right well are you ready for my cult i am you've started one i I started one Mm -hmm. it's a mlm you mean you're a boss babe i'm a boss babe you're your own ceo Mm -hmm. listen and you can be too all you need to do is recruit five other people that they will be under me and I will get all the money and then that person will need to recruit five more people and they will get even less money as you go down but don't worry it is in no way in the shape of a pyramid (laughs) don't don't draw it but uh I this week I will be talking about heaven's gate dun 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 I thought about that doing that as well but I did um which I have heard of Heaven's Gate, but I don't know. I didn't. I I was like, oh, I don't. I've heard of it, but like, I didn't know anything about it. And as I started re- researching it, I was like, I literally don't know anything about this. So I was I was surprised when you were like, I don't really know anything about this one. I was like, damn. What you know? I'm real into cults. I feel like you don't research cults as much as I I do. Um, I'm into them. But, you know, I get, like, really super into specific ones, and I will do, like, an extensive amount of research on one. Yeah, I feel that. Um, Whereas, I feel like you you dabble in all the cults. I like to know about all of them. I like to see what's out there. I like to know my options. Like, uh, Charles Manson. I know an obscene amount about his his whole thing. So, and I wasn't going to talk about that because that would be a two hour long episode. Maybe so, one day. So but... basic. Just kidding. But, but not today. So uh, I kept it real simple this week. I only did uh, two sources. Wikipedia, my old faithful. <laughs> and uh, I also watched a Bailey Sarian video on YouTube. 
mm-hmm. uh, which I've talked about her on this podcast before. She is uh, this YouTuber that like does her makeup while talking oh, about yeah. creepy shit, and she I... has a very uh, a very relaxing voice. I think I like once you miss- mentioned her that one time. I think I like in my little creepy like groups on facebook i've seen people like post about her posting like stories she tell and they'll be like this is fucking wild yeah but uh oh okay so let's backtrack we gotta get to heaven's gate first okay how did so marshall applewhite jr was born may 17th 1993 to a presbyterian you guessed it, Marshall Applewhite. Wow. So, uh, he grew up in Texas and as a child was very religious, which, I mean, honestly, is not very surprising because uh, when you grow up in a religious family, you kind of, in turn, become very mm-hmm. religious. Uh, and after high school, he earned a bachelor's degree in philosophy uh, and enrolled in seminary school with hopes of becoming a minister. In 1952, he got married to a lady named Anne Pierce, and the two had two children. Uh, in 1990, uh, sorry, 1954, he was drafted into the Army, and after serving for two years, he returned to the U.S. and earned his master's degree in music from the University of Colorado. So kind of shifted gears from seminary. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and after school... Uh, He started a position teaching music at the University of Alabama. However, he would eventually lose this position after it was discovered that Marshall had begun an affair with a male student. And once Marshall's wife found out about the affair, the two would separate and later divorce. Which, I mean, you gotta think, this is... Like around the fifties or sixties, and it's in Alabama. Uh-huh. Yeah. So uh, I could imagine that this probably did not go over well. Um, so after he divorced his wife, he ended up moving to H- Houston, Texas. I think he just was like, "I need a fresh start." He loves the so, South. <laughs> he do love the South, uh, and that's also where he's from. So I think he was probably okay, trying to get a little okay. bit closer to home. Uh, also. He, you know, I guess cult leaders love Texas. I mean, everything's bigger in Texas. Bigger cults, just bigger everything. Bigger <laughs> egos. I don't know. I ain't never they been got, to Texas. <laughs> they got Whataburgers. Yeah, they do. Uh, so in 1965, he began teaching uh, music again at the University of St. Thomas. Uh, and from my research, it seemed that things had started to get better uh, his students described him as being a very engaging speaker and a stylish dresser, and he had begun a career as a local singer and even ended up performing at the Houston Grand Opry. Oh. So, you know, things were looking up for him. Uh, it also appeared that Marshall was a bit more open with his sexuality at this point. But it's also interesting that around this time he began a relationship with a woman. Um, okay. So, but in 1970, Marshall had 
ended up resigning from his position at the university due to depression and emotional problems, which a sociologist that later studied Heaven's Gate speculate mm-hmm. that this departure was due to Marshall having uh, an affair with another one of his students. Damn um, it. I would also, I would also think uh, that, you know, if he's still ch- sort of dealing with his sexuality um, and he was dating this woman who I think was, um, his, her family was giving him a lot of pressure to, you know, like, get mm-hmm. married. I could see that being very stressful. Uh, and then around this time, his father passed away. And him and his father were really close growing up, so this just sort of worsened his depression. And he began incurring a lot of debts and had to borrow a lot of money from friends. And this all brings us to 1972, when Marshall meets Bonnie Neals. Might be Nettles, couldn't say. Uh, And she was a nurse at a hospital... Uh, now, there, there's speculation about why Marshall was at the hospital. Some sources said that he was visiting a friend who was at the hospital. And some say that after he had had like his depression, his psychotic break, that he was admitted into the hospital. Mm. Um, but regardless, he was at the hospital. And they met. Uh, and Bonnie grew up in Houston and was raised Baptist. So, you know, she grew up with a religious background similar to him. And she was married, uh, but the two separated when, because, get this, Bonnie believed a 19th century monk named Brother Francis frequently spoke to her and gave her instructions yeah okay um i don't yeah i don't know if brandon told me that i don't know uh, what i would i would i could do with that information uh, i might yeah i'd probably just have to leave i'd have to say i'm sorry I but can't. i can't do this anymore <laughs> i can't have three of us in this relationship no i cannot what if yeah what if he comes in while we're sleeping what does he watch me like while i'm sleeping what's he wear does he look like you know one of them with the, just a brown sack and a, and a rope I Probably. Can't, I can't do it. No. But Bonnie, uh, you know, because she was getting these instructions from this monk in her head, uh, she also conducted a lot of seances with mediums in order to contact other deceased spirits like the monk. <laughs> and she also began to study astrology, theosophy, and uh, like the occult. Mm-hmm. Which I feel like you know, that don't, that really doesn't seem very odd. You know, no. nowadays, lots of people are into stuff like that. But this is the 70s. Yeah. Uh, so I imagine that her husband was also like, and you talking to the devil, bitch? <laughs> so. I Heck, I have friends now. Like, one of my friends from high school, uh, she's always like, so, you know, the last time she really knew me, I was still, I wasn't weird and you know, didn't do no witchy shit like I do now. She was like, I just don't get it. She was like, what does Brandon say about this? Like, does he think it's weird? I'm like, nah, at this point, he's just like, eh, fucking do it. Just don't accidentally curse the house. <laughs> so when I dropped all my tarot cards on the floor, he did get a little freaked out. He was like, you better pick those up. That sounds bad. I don't know what those are, but that looks bad. 
<laughs> so that was fun. I still haven't used my tarot cards yet. I don't have the time to learn how to use them, but one day I will. Yeah, I, I understand how they work, but because uh, I've gotten mine done several times, uh-huh. but uh, I wouldn't feel comfortable uh, dealing them out unless Mm-mm. I knew what I was doing. Mm-mm. But anyways, let's get back to Bonnie. So, uh, Bonnie met with multiple fortune tellers who told her that she soon would meet a mysterious man who was tall with light hair and a fair complexion. Well, meet him, she did. When Bonnie and Marshall met, the two immediately hit it off. Bonnie read Marshall's charts and determined that the stars had aligned for them to be together. Uh, And Marshall would later recall feeling as though he had known Bonnie for a long time and that perhaps they had met in a past life. Interesting. Bonnie told Marshall that their meeting had been foretold to her by extraterrestrials, persuading him uh, that he had a divine assignment. Now, I have forgot that aliens came into this uh, picture. Because, you know, up until this point, it had just been, uh, you know, religious, ghosty. But now, all of a sudden, we got we got aliens. Oh, yeah. Strap in. So, together, the two studied works of philosophers and religious leaders and kept a copy of the King James Bible with them. They were particularly interested in... Okay, now I'm going to butcher this. Assisticism. Okay. That's, that's what they was into. <laughs> I can't uh, really which help is a, because I don't know what that is. With, well, I'm about to tell you. <laughs> it's a lifestyle characterized by absence from sensual pleasures. Uh, and this is normally for oh. spiritual goals. Mm-hmm. You know, so basically you ain't boning so that you can, you know, get more enlightened. The opposite of my uh, guy. <laughs> Exactly. Uh, And they were also interested in eschatology, which is a branch of uh, Christianity that deals with last things, you know, so like the end of someone's life or like Mm -hmm. particularly just like the end of something. So they concluded that they had been chosen to fulfill biblical uh, prophecies and that they had been given higher level minds than other people. Marshall also had several visions, which included one in which he was told that he was the chosen for, uh, he was chosen for a role like Jesus. So not Uh like he was Jesus, but he was like, they're like, listen, very similar. Very similar. Just, you are not the biological Uh son of God, but you are at least his stepchild. Very similar. (laughs) A cousin, maybe. Uh, But today's experts speculate that these visions were actually part of a schizophrenic episode. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. Makes more sense, Uh, probably. But what would eventually end up happening is the two would end up moving in together and kind of cohabitating. So, you know, obviously, like, 
they're not into the sensual pleasures. Um, mm-hmm. They just, like, they basically were kind of like husband and wife. Like, they were always together. They worked together. But there was no sexual anything. <laughs> anything at all. Get well, that okay. out of your mind. <laughs> it's out. It's out. Um, and yeah, they ended up putting together a pamphlet that described Jesus's reincarnation as a Texan. A.K.A. Marshall. (laughs) Listen, God bless Texas. Texas. (laughs) Yes. Uh, They also claimed that they were the two witnesses from Revelations and referred to themselves as the two or the UFO two. And do not ask me to explain what the two witnesses are, what the fuck happens in Revelations. Uh, it's, it's banana. It's banana pants. Yeah. I I tried to understand the two witnesses. I, I if you want to know, go to church. <laughs> I read Revelations like a year or two ago, but uh, I guess the whole two witnesses just slipped my mind. So I, I you know, I got really hung up on like the seven headed beast and all that fun stuff. You know, like them horses coming in or whatever. I didn't. The, the witnesses, the people that were just watching it, they were like minor characters. <laughs> I don't remember them at all. So, anyways. uh, Bonnie and Marshall promised that those who participated in uh, what they're calling, like, an experiment, you Mm -hmm. know, um, basically they were like, hey, come on down to our cults and experiment. Um, They would be brought to a higher evolutionary level, which Bonnie and Marshall... They had already achieved this higher level. They were like, listen, you want to be like us? Come on down. And basically, in the pamphlet, it had, uh, like, a UFO on it. And they were just sort of kind of like, listen, this UFO is going to come down. It's going to pick us up. And it's going to take us to heaven. Uh, we're going to live a really good life. You know? Come on down. We're going to meet at the Holiday Inn. We're having a fr- uh, refreshments come down for our informational meeting. Oh my god! And the they UFO would, part? they would, they would go around and they would have like these informational meetings, which is very MLM. I was gonna say this does sound like an MLM. I mean, shit. So, uh, they believed that they would be killed and restored to life, and then transported in a spaceship to heaven. You know, like like the UFO on the pamphlet. And they referred to this as the demonstration. Uh, but actual Christians, they really weren't going for this. They were like, mm, that uh-huh. sounds like a bunch of hooey. That was sounding like a bunch of hooey to me. <laughs> um, so uh, they weren't going for it. But despite, you know, this negative feedback, Bonnie and Marshall over time did find people to join them. Uh, that, that thought similarly to they to themselves. And those who decided to join sold off all of their personal items and followed Marshall and Bonnie across the country. And they would, like, sleep in tents, and they would beg in the street for, like, money and food, which, to me, is very similar to Charles Manson mm-hmm. in the fact that uh, they would kind of uh, move from place to place and like bum on people's couches and beg for food. But okay, uh, so like 
if their goal is just to get shot up into a spaceship and die, like, why do they need other people? Like, why do they need more people? They got a quota to hit to fill the spaceship up? Like, you gotta have gotta have 60 people or the spaceship won't come? Like, why couldn't they just do uh, it themselves? Let's be honest. Listen, I think the way that they, I think the way that they were painting it is, listen, we, we're, me and Bonnie, we're going in that spaceship. Don't even worry about it. We, we're good. But we, we want to make sure that you're taken care of, Taylor. You know, okay. you see, you seem like a nice gal. Wouldn't you like to go up in this spaceship too? You know, okay. you know, so they probably painted a picture of like, you know, it's all great. You know, like we're just doing this cause we care about you or something. Okay. Um, also they just sort of seem a little cuckoo. Yep. Yeah, yeah. I agree. Um, but those who joined also had to cut ties with their families uh, and their friends, and essentially, they just, like, fell off the grid. Uh, and actually, when, like, a, like the first, like, big clump of them that followed Bonnie and Marshall, when they left, it actually made, like, local news. Like, mm-hmm. ten people go missing. You know, where the hell did they go? God damn. <laughs> so it did make sense. Uh, it did make some local news, but Bonnie and Marshall, they kind of kept, like, low, like, a low profile whenever they started to travel around. Um, so, this group, as you could guess, totally out of touch with the rest of the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the only information they are getting from, uh, is from Bonnie and Marshall, which, at this time, they are referring to themselves as Bo and Peep. Or yes. do, do and tie. <laughs> okay. And, I like Bo and Pete uh, better. And Bo and Peep. So Bonnie is Bo. Uh, Marshall is Peep. And Doe is Bonnie. And Ty is Marshall. Okay. So. Uh, so Marshall or Ty or Peep uh, <laughs> believed that he was directly related to Jesus and was an evolutionary kingdom level above human. Uh-huh. Uh, and that Marshall's body was inhabited by the same alien spirit that belonged to Jesus. Um, actually, I take that back. Ty is Bonnie. And Ty, a.k.a. Bonnie, was Father the God. Uh-huh. Oh, excuse me. God the Father. Uh-huh. Um, they also believed... Now, this one. This one will get you. They also believed that the Virgin Mary got pregnant with baby Jesus by being beamed up into a UFO. And I guess, you know, they like probed her or something. Uh And that's how she got pregnant. Uh, I don't know. I didn't know that there was UFOs in ancient Israel. So they just think God is like an alien? Or did the aliens work for God? This is a great question. I don't think they know. Okay. Because as you will see, they kind of, as time progresses, they, they got to shift things a little bit. Uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> uh, so their beliefs started to change. Uh, at, so at one point they believed that they would get new bodies once they got beamed up into the spaceship. But then this kind of got tweaked to their bodies were containers of their souls Mm-hmm. So that the souls could move about once they got sucked up into the spaceship. 
I don't know. Uh, so, even though the members did not work, you know, they were obviously moving from city to city, uh-huh. uh, they were still able to pay for housing once they got a decent amount of members mm-hmm. because the members would sell off all of their possessions and take take all their money with them. Uh-huh. Uh, so, you know, they were able to keep a roof over the head. Uh, which something I found really interesting about the group is that not all the members were this sort of like hippie stereotype that I feel like you think of when you think of cults. Uh, some of them were, especially the early members, were well-educated and came from like conservative, well-off families. Uh, so it's interesting that they were able to kind of like go with this odd odd set of uh people especially if they had like i feel like if your family's pretty well off i feel like could you imagine if you said hey mom and dad i'm gone i'm going with Bo and pete well well, it seems kind of sciencey like they're trying to make it sound it almost seems like science fiction kind of like i feel like scientology seems a little science fictiony and they got a lot of smart Mm -hmm. people so maybe since it's not just like all, you know, God and Jesus and like fate, it's like we have got aliens. They will come to get us in a spaceship. This is exactly how it's going to work. Smart people are mm-hmm. like, you know what? I can get behind that. They got a plan. Let's fucking do it. But yeah, yeah at the same time, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't do it. No, because if, if they told me that I wasn't allowed to watch TV, out i just have no, to die on the go. spot so uh but despite having very loyal followers marshall and bonnie felt the need to sort of test their followers loyalty so every now and then they would have a sort of test they would do things like tell the members that the spaceship was coming tonight and that they needed to wait outside all night in order to get picked up <laughs> And then, basically, the next morning, the sun would rise, and they'd be like, oh, this was a test. <laughs> the fuck? You know? Uh, so, within the group, Bonnie was acting as this sort of interpreter of the signs. You know, she was very into, like, the stars and things mm-hmm. like that. Um, and she would put together uh, events and sort of, I guess, like, meetings for the group. Especially, like, if they were trying to, like, recruit new members. Mm-hmm. Um, while Marshall was more of the speaker, she was more of the planner. But, unfortunately, in uh, 1983, Bonnie had to get an eye removed due to cancer. Uh, mm-hmm. And when she got it removed, the doctor told her that, you know, the cancer was going to spread throughout her body if she didn't get it treated. Which, she basically blew him off. And thought that he was ignorant. Uh, and she she really felt like she couldn't die. Because Marshall and her had to ascend to the spaceship together. But cancer did end up spreading. And she ended up dying from liver cancer in 1985. Mm. Uh, which to me is interesting. Because I'm like, bitch, you used to be a nurse. I know, that's what I was going to say. Like, how could you have moved so far away from that? I don't know. 
so now Marshall was like, damn. Uh, damn. He was, he was <laughs> shit. Uh, <laughs> what the hell so, are we going to uh, do now? <laughs> so uh, he convinces the rest of the group, the uh, Bonnie's broken down vehicle was left behind, you know, a.k.a. her body was left behind, and that she had ascended to heaven, you know, it was no longer, you know, because it used to be your whole, like, your whole body would get beamed up, and then they do the switcheroo (laughs) up in heaven. He was like, nah, they left that shit here. (laughs) This shit's broken. Shit's Uh, (laughs) busted. Bonnie, he said that Bonnie had been able to go on up in the spaceship because her work on earth was done but he Mm -hmm. remained because he still had some work to do but uh that once they all had reached the next level that bonnie would be there waiting to help them because basically the whole thing is like you need to be climbing these levels you know Uh not at all like a pyramid no not at all it's a ladder more like a ladder uh so bonnie's death kind of started this new reinvention of the cult's belief. Uh, before that, you know, it was, re- you remain, uh, your body, but then, or like, you know, like your body's a vessel until uh-huh. the spaceship comes and gets you. Now it is, you can abandon your body or your vessel at any point. Because <laughs> it, cause it used to be you were stuck in this body or this vessel until the spaceship came and got your ass. Mm-hmm. Now you can ditch that that thing any any time as long as you've done your duties. Mm-hmm. Uh, so throughout the years, the number of members fluctuated, and by the early 1990s, there was only around 20 members left. And, which is interesting because at some point there was like a hundred, you know. So it really sure. was fluctuating. Which I do wonder if maybe you know they got a little less organized. Maybe Bonnie was the organizer. Probably. And, uh, and Marshall Marshall couldn't get his shit together. Yeah, they also, when she died, they had to switch around their whole, you know, belief system. So maybe some people were like, ah, this was a load of bull. I knew it. Now I know it for sure. <laughs> this is probably also true. So, there was only about 20 members left. So they were like, we gotta get some, we gotta get some new members. So they started a website to attract new members. You know, we're coming up into the digital age. Uh, so they actually created a web design firm uh, called Hire Source that created web pages for other companies. And the, with the money that they were able to earn through this business, they were able to rent this huge mansion and ranch show. Uh, or sorry, Rancho Santa de California. Mm-hmm. I think that was supposed to be Santa Fe, and I think that my <laughs> computer autocorrected Fe today. Why? Because neither one of those are really full words. Mm-hmm. Um, it was in California. That's all you need to know. All right. Uh, but in the same month, the group purchased alien abduction insurance. Which I'm assuming very similar to life insurance, uh-huh. uh, and that this would cover up to 50 members and would pay out a hundred million dollars per person. And the policy covered abduction, impregnation, or death by aliens. Okay. Which to me, 
Where do you even get alien abduction insurance? Is that something that state, like, is that something that State Farm offers, or? They probably went to some, like, jank-ass place who said they sold insurance on the side of the road, and they were like, hey, uh, we're here for some uh, alien abduction insurance, and some guy in probably, like, a a dingy old white shirt was like, hey, I got you, and this is how it's gonna be. Now, Per month, you're going to have to pay about $5,000 per month to uh, Jared's bank account. You know, that's what I'm feeling like. That's probably how it went out. <laughs> I guess. I don't know. I, I guess maybe Geico has since canceled their uh, alien abduction <laughs> policies. I would think but, so. Yeah, I saw that. I was like, oh, I don't get that. But anyways, around this time, Marshall uh, starts introducing the idea of suicide to the group. Uh, and he suggests that suicide was the way to reach the next level, which Bonnie had already reached when she died. Mm-hmm. Uh, on March, so March 19th, 20, I don't know, a around specific there. date. It just says around those two days in 1997, Marshall tapes himself in in do final exit uh speaking of mass suicide uh and the only way to evacuate this earth is through suicide um so basically he films himself talking about the suicide um and you know what's gonna happen they're gonna go in this spaceship uh and they upload this video to their website uh trying to recruit more participants to be a part of this suicide. Basically, he it's like a, a last-ditch effort to, to say, hey, one last chance to get on the spaceship. Um, we're, all, we're all doing it come Thursday. Yeah. So, Marshall was able to persuade all 38 followers... To prepare for a ritual suicide so that their souls could board this sort of UFO. Great. And that after death, their souls would be taken to another level of existence above human. uh, Which basically was they were going to be uh, turned into aliens. Great. It sounds dope. Uh, so all members videotaped a farewell message and prepared to take this trip. And all 39 members dressed in identical black shirts and black sweatpants, brand new white and black Nike decades, uh, and each of their shirts had armband patches that read Mm -hmm. Heaven's Gate Away Team. Which is a like a reference to Star Trek, so very science fictiony. Yeah, and each member had on their person a five dollar bill and three quarters in their pocket, uh, which was a reference to Huck Finn, uh, in which it states it cost five dollars and seventy five cents to ride the rail of a comet to heaven. This is so odd. This is like fanfic or some shit. I don't even know. It's also interesting that it's uh, Huck Finn 
but then yeah. also Star Trek. Those I do know. not, those are very not uh-huh. similar at all. No. Like, why not? I thought it was going to be some Bible. Like, why nothing for the Bible? They still seem like they were kind of talking about Bible stuff, but maybe not. Maybe at this point, he was like, Huckleberry Finn is our Bible. Star Trek is also our Bible. Listen, uh, Mark Twain. God. Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> so members took phenobarbital and mixed it with either applesauce or pudding and then washed it down with vodka. Yummy. <laughs> uh, and then they secured plastic bags around their heads after ingesting this poison uh, to cause like them to asphyxiate. Mm-hmm. Um, but like once one member died, a living member would arrange their body so they would remove the plastic bag from their head uh, and they would pose the body so that they were lying neatly in their bed oh. with their faces and torsos covered with a square of purple cloth. And this whole process took about three days. Oh, God. Because one person, you know, one person would do it and then they'd have to be, like, arranged and prepared. And then, you know, they'd, you know, it was a process. It wasn't like Jamestown where, like, they all did it at once. Yeah. That's odd. Uh, So, uh, Marshall was the third to last member to die. Because two members had to remain to prepare him. Um, and so, you know, they, they took the bag off his head and everything. Um, but the reason that they knew that they were the last two to die is because they still had the bags over their heads. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> now, a man named Rio D'Angelo, who was previously affiliated with the cult... Uh, received a package from Heaven's Gate <clears throat> which contained two VHS videotapes one with the do final exit which was the video that Marshall had prepared mm-hmm. and the other with the farewell messages from each member and it also contained a letter stating that among other things they have ex- they have exited their vehicles and have entered uh their new ones no no no. we have exited our vehicles just as we entered them basically you know we died just like we were born you know yeah i I guess so i could say i guess i don't know they got dropped off in a spaceship got picked (laughs) up in one too maybe that's yeah maybe that's what they thought um, so D'Angelo found, uh, he like went over to where the cult was staying and found a back door intentionally left unlocked to allow access <clears throat> and used a video camera to record what he found, uh, and calls the police. Uh, once all the bodies were found, they were all ultimately cremated, which is similar Bonnie had been cremated so i don't know why they specifically chose that i didn't see very much about that in my research but there is a 
docuseries on HBO Max, the, like, interviews, like, members' families and talks about, mm-hmm. ha- like, how it all went down. I don't have an HBO Max subscription anymore, but once I renew, I will be watching that and Sex in the City again. But yes, that is the story of Heaven's Gate. I think it is very interesting, uh, mostly because it's like all the the people who participated. It was all very willingly, you know. Yeah, like I feel they like, like they definitely all seem like they knew like what was going on. Uh, it didn't seem as much like Jonestown where they kind of all of a sudden just seemed like they were forced to just drink something and die. And I know that like some people even speculate in Jonestown that like people were actually murdered. A lot of people maybe didn't even take the the drink on their own. But yeah, the, the applesauce and vodka, it sounded like they all really just wanted that yummy, yummy last snack. <laughs> I guess. But, yes, I find it very interesting. Because it's all very willingly done. And, I don't know. I just, I just think it's interesting how cults get started. I know. That's the odd one. That one is. Like, you just. Who knows? We had two kind of weird people. And they they were like, you know what? Let's get even more people in on this. All this weirdness, we need more. more. We need more people. Need, everyone in the universe needs to be just like us. Uh, I guess it's very similar to when we started this podcast. And I was like, listen, me and you, a couple of weirdos. Let's get some other people in on this. True. Maybe this podcast is just a uh, cult recruiting cult? tool. How are we doing? How are we doing, people? If we recruited you, <laughs> please don't come to my house. Yeah. I don't want you here. Uh, Bonnie and Marshall, they probably should have just started a podcast. I don't know how the distribution would have worked in uh, the 60s, but... Just gave out some uh, tapes. Some food for thought. Uh Uh-huh. Well, thank you. Thank you for that story. I always always like hearing that one. Yeah, you're welcome. Um, It was a doozy. I find cults very interesting. I think they're a little bit more uh, your passion project, but... True, true. I'm allowed to like things, too. It's okay. I'll let you like them for now. <laughs> uh, so, next week, we're, like, switching gears pretty hardcore. We're going to do uh, Mythical Creatures. <laughs> I'm excited about yep. that one. I think that will involve some, like, I don't know, like, mythology back from, like, maybe some pagan mythology. I'm kind of interested in learning some history, you know? Yeah. Or, you know, potentially, like, uh, some prehistoric shit. Yeah, that too. You know, know, it really depends on which avenue you go to. That is true. Uh, Well, what do we have? We have an Instagram. Uh, We do. We have an Instagram. It is uh, Gonna Sound Weird Pod. And we also have a Twitter at Gonna Sound Weird. And we have Facebook. You can find it. Just look up. This is going to sound weird. We got some memes in there. Obviously, I tell you this every week. Why haven't you listened? Why haven't you joined yet? It's so easy. We won't make fun of you if you get in there, I promise. I haven't gotten made fun of yet. (laughs) 
This is true. Uh, I mean, I make fun of her, but that's on that's outside yeah, the group. That's outside the there's group. There's no, there's no cyberbullying in the group. There uh, if you cyberbully, you will get kicked out. Sorry, <laughs> I'm an admin. <laughs> uh, if you have any weird stories, you know, maybe you were in a cult. Someone you know was in a cult. Uh, you're a leader of a cult. Uh, send us your weird story at this is gonna sound weird at gmail.com and you know you we'll send you something a sticker a koozie yo some some words of wisdom some of my, kindness some of my pecans out of my mixed nuts uh actually there's mostly peanuts left so I'll send you a peanut <laughs> uh, and I think that's it yeah I think so too. All right. But thank you for listening, everyone. Stay weird. Goodbye. And don't, don't join a cult. Please don't. <laughs>